Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Sailing the East podcast. I'm Balaam Usitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we will focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast unusual is that only one of us sails. That would be me, Bela. I have been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. Now, I live in Germany, a long way away from any body of water larger than a thimble, uh, but I have the interest and Bela has the patience to answer my questions about sailing. And together we hope that this makes for some interesting listening. Bela, is there anything interesting going on in your world right now? Well, Mike, we had another listener question. Andy, a listener, noticed the support the podcast link at the bottom of the show notes. He asked us if it would be helpful to click this link. And do we get the money, or does it go to our podcast host, Anchor? Bela, this is a good question. Andy, thanks for asking. Bela, I'll let you take this question because you handle the business end of this operation. Sure, Mike. Well, you and I don't do this for the money. But there are many other podcasters who are entrepreneurs and trying to earn some extra income from their podcast. So like supporting public radio or subscribing to magazines, it's a nice thing to support your favorite podcast, if you have the means. There are a couple of ways you can do this. As you know, we use Anchor to host and distribute this podcast. While Anchor has a built-in way for listeners to support the podcast. In your podcasting app, at the bottom of the podcasting show notes, there's a link that you can support the show. From $0.99 a month up to $9.99 a month, you can support that specific podcast to help defray the cost of producing it. And you can cancel any time. So it's kind of a nice gesture if you want to support some of your favorites. And I said, like I said, it's built into Anchor, and it shows up at the bottom of your show notes, even if you are using a different app besides Anchor to listen to the podcast. Patreon, which you may have heard of, is a very popular way that many YouTubers and podcasters use to receiving listener support as well. Well, this week, we got our first listener support to the podcast. So a big thank you to Andrew, our first supporter. Yeah, Bela, good answer to this question. Thanks. I mean, we really do like podcasting, and we think it's valuable uh, to bring different voices and different experiences that are not all kind of part of mainstream media, um, especially because there's a lot of bad news and a lot of things that are biased and, and nasty in, in a lot of the media, we like to offer kind of fairly non-controversial and positive uh, kind of things for people to listen to. Um, and we don't do this for the money, but 
you know, if you haven't thought about the idea of supporting some of your favorite podcasters, like especially the independent and entrepreneurial ones, um, it's kind of a nice idea. And again, we realize, especially right now, that not everybody has spare change laying around. But for a buck a month, um, you know, think about it like a magazine subscription or a or a, like you said, a public public radio support or something like that. It's an it's a nice thing to do. And yeah, Andy, uh, good question. And at least with Anchor, everything you do donate or use to support the podcast goes directly to the podcaster. Uh, based on what I know that anchor doesn't take any of it. Um, now, you know, we have to pay to, to put our stuff on there, but, um, they're not taking money on both ends of the the business model as far as I know. So Bela, let's get to today's question. Now, my question is this, I'm curious about chartering a sailboat. I mean, I've heard about this and two of my very first sailing trips that I've been on were both on chartered boats but I didn't arrange either of these. And, you know, you know me, I'm not the sailor. Um, I don't know what to, I didn't know. Now I'm learning more, which is great, but I didn't know back then what to ask for and who to deal with. And I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, but, you know, now that I'm, I have a little more interest and you've been teaching me um, more and more, is chartering a boat something I want to do? And if so, what's the process? So maybe you, today you can tell me a little more about chartering a boat. Yeah, Mike, I'll, uh, I'll try to fill in the blanks. So I think chartering has some great, great advantages. So, Number one is that typical charters can be as short as a day uh, or as long as a month. And some of this depends on where you will be chartering, uh, which geographic area. Uh, So, for example, in the British Virgin Islands in the Caribbean, uh, most charters are seven to nine to maybe 14 days in length. Uh, That seems to be sort of the norm down in the Caribbean and the British Virgin Islands. For example, in the Chesapeake Bay, Uh, They are typically either two days long, meaning Saturday and Sunday, uh, or they're five days, Monday through Friday, uh, or all seven days for the whole week. Uh, So you can see charter companies are trying to, you know, maximize the the amount of time boats are being chartered because that maximizes their income. Uh, So that's what they try to do to accommodate the specific area they're in. Uh, Charter companies also tend to be much more flexible during the off-season. So if they have a boat that's just sitting there and you're interested in it and no one's going to charter it, then you can get a two or three or four day charter if you want. So call, call the charter company, uh, find out what they have. Uh, and, you know, how do you find a charter company? Well, the same way you find anything else. You get on the Internet and you do a search. Uh, they all have uh, nice websites. Uh, oftentimes you can look at their calendar the, uh, the, when the boats are available, what, what are the different types of boats that they have? The other great thing so, about, char- go ahead. I'm sorry. So Bela, this is interesting. So in the off season, you can kind of negotiate a little bit. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yep. So, uh, the prices are typically lower. So they have a high season price and a shoulder season or, you know, a low season price and, and they're, you know, 20% different. Uh, so you can save some money in the off season. Uh, And they tend to be more flexible on the length of time for the charter is what I'm trying to say. But you can negotiate on time. Can you ever negotiate on price or is that a no-no? I have not been successful uh, in negotiating on price. And quite honestly, I haven't tried. Okay. But I have have, uh, been successful in saying I want to pick the boat up on Tuesday and drop it off on Tuesday. As opposed okay. to the typical pick it up Monday, drop it off Friday, or pick it up you know Saturday, drop it off Saturday. Yeah. All right. That's good to keep in mind. Thanks. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. No, it's a good question. 
the other uh, interesting thing about chartering is it's a great way to to sort of check out different places to sail without having to sail your boat there. So if you want to go sailing in the Mediterranean, there's a ton of charter companies in the Mediterranean and you can go charter a boat for a week or two and it's a great vacation, right? The same thing is true with the Caribbean. The same thing is true with the South Pacific, uh, the coast of Australia, uh, up and down the coast of the United States, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, Belize in Mexico, uh, Sea of Cortez. So there's a lot of places that you can go and sort of have a combination vacation, sail around there, um, check out the region, and you get to experience different types of boats. This is one of the ways that I learned uh, the type of boat that I want, right? It helped me sort of narrow my selection down and requirements of the, this vast different types of boats and models and sizes and accommodations and equipment down to, hey, this is the thing that works for me. Um, so I found it to be to be a great way of, of doing it. So there's there's choice in the types of boats you charter, whether they be monohulls or catamarans uh, to the places around the world that you're going to charter um, and, you know, the length of time. So it's it's really quite nice. So, Pela, another dumb question. Do I need some sort of a license to charter a boat? Uh, well, uh, maybe. So there are two types of charters, uh, typically two types. One is with a captain, meaning there is going to be a captain on the boat that you're going to hire as part of the charter. Uh, and, and so that means you are not responsible for sailing the boat. If you want to just sit on the boat and enjoy the passage and sailing around, you can do that. Uh, if you want to uh, sort of help and assist the captain, uh, they'll give you some instruction and they'll guide you and sort of look over you. So, th so there's a range with a captain. In that case, the captain is the one responsible for the boat. You don't need any type of license uh, or a certification. The other type of charter is called a bare boat charter. Uh, that means it's just you. There's no crew, no other person from the charter company or no other captain and that you are the captain and you are the one responsible for the boat. Uh, so most bare boat charters require some sort of experience or credential. Uh, in the United States, there are two major organizations that do sail training lead to, leading up to a bare boat chartering credential. One is called the American Sailing Association and the other one is U.S. Sailing. And both of them have very good courses and are accepted by most North American charter companies uh, once you get a certification from them. Uh, my wife, Elaine, and I uh, both took an American Sailing Association week-long course uh, where we received what's called a bare boat certificate. Uh, and that has worked for us in all the charters. No one's ever questioned it uh, in order to charter a boat. Uh, and our, actually, our very first charter uh, that we did, which was on Lake Champlain, which is a 120-mile lake that borders New York State and Vermont, uh, I did not, and Lane and I, neither one of us had any sort of certification. Uh, so I sent the charter company my sort of sailing resume, which basically said, you know, I've been sailing on a, a few other people's large boats, uh, but we had a Catalina 22 for 20-plus years, and uh, we've, we've sailed. And what they did was uh, we went up, uh, my wife and I went up 
to the charter location, and we went out with a captain for about four hours. So we went out on a boat for four hours with a captain, and we sort of demonstrated our skills to the captain. And, uh, you know, he asked us to do a few things. He showed us some things from the boat, and then he okayed the charter. So he basically went back to the charter company and said, yeah, these folks know what they're doing. It's okay for you to charter a boat to them. Uh, it's like so taking that, a driver's test. It must have been pretty nerve-wracking, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. It, little, it was little sort pressure. of like taking yeah. a driver's test. <laughs> yes. and, and then, you know, we returned to that place a few times and chartered from them. Uh, and then I think uh, it was after our third charter, we said, hey, we really like this. And then we went and took the American Sailing Association uh, certific- certification course because we knew we wanted to do it. Uh, now, in different parts of the world, uh, have different requirements. So in the United States, um, you know, sometimes you can get away with nothing. It sort of depends on a charter company. Uh, and it depends, even in the United States, it depends on the state. So some states have licensing or certification requirements for boating, and other states do not. So some of this is going to depend. It, it, it's starting to tighten up, if you will, in the United States. More and more states are requiring some sort of nominal boater education before they let you out on any type of boat, not just a sailboat, but that's just sort of a state requirement. And then the charter company may have its own requirements. In other parts of the world, like the Mediterranean and the South Pacific, uh, they have some very specific licensing requirements. Again, this is country by country uh, for taking out a boat. Uh, so you have to sort of check with where the destination that you're going to, if particularly if it's outside the United States, as to what those requirements will be. Oftentimes that'll be stated on their website as to as to what type of certification you need. Yeah, I know here in Germany, Bela, that lakes of a certain size you need a special license, but smaller lakes are okay. And boats of a certain size, you need a special license. Other boats, you don't. Like I have a friend who chartered a houseboat, not a sailboat, right? But because he was sailing on a body of water that was not as uh, smaller than the the set size, and because the motor wasn't so big or the length wasn't so big, he didn't need a license. But other other times you do. So even within a country, I think it's it's uh, it can vary. Um, So okay, so check. So first, chartering is a good idea. Second, um, you can kind of find a, a charter company uh, through the internet and, and kind of figure out the time and the boat and the, uh, the, the pickup and the drop off and all these things. Third is if you want to be, do a bare boat charter, you usually need some sort of certification. Got it. Um, let's talk about the process now. So if I want to do this, what's the, what are the steps that I should follow? Well, I think, I think the first thing uh, to think about is the location you want to go to. Um, so do you want to go, you know, the British, for example, the British Virgin Islands is sort of a hotbed for chartering. Uh, it's, it's nice. It's nice down there when it's cold up North here. Uh, they have good winds cause they, they're in the trade wind belt. So they have pretty consistent winds and there's a group of islands there where you can basically do a day sail from Island to Island to Island and anchor overnight. And it's sort of set up for a week-long trip. So that's sort of a, a, a very nice place to go. But So first, figure out where you want to go. Uh, and then you got to figure out a charter company. So depending upon where you go, so for example, in the British Virgin Islands or in the Chesapeake Bay, there's, there's at least a dozen, if not more, companies that you can charter a boat from. 
because these are very popular places to charter. Up on Lake Champlain, uh, I believe right now there's one company that you can charter a boat from. So part of it has to do with where you want to go. And of course, different times of the year, different places are better than others. Uh, you know, you, you can't charter a boat in the middle of January up on Lake Champlain unless it's an ice boat because it's sort of frozen over. Uh, so that that's sort of one thing you want to think through. Uh, and, you know, listen to the reviews or read the reviews on the charter companies. Uh, also, think about the type and size of boat you want. Do you want to charter a catamaran? Do you want to charter a monohull? Do you want to charter a, something in the mid-30 feet? Or do you want to charter something, you know, 50 feet long? Uh, so you got to think that through because not all um, charter companies have all different types of boats. So you got to think about location. You got to think about the type of boat and the size of boat uh, you want to charter. Uh, and then I think, you know, you reach out to them and they'll tell you what the process is. And each process is a little bit different, but you sort of have to fill out an application. Um, you, they'll probably want to see a sailing resume or your, and or your certifications that might be required. And um, you can pick out the boat. They'll, they'll have an inventory of their boats and their availability. And then they usually require a deposit. They usually require about a 50% deposit uh, to kind of hold your reservation. Uh, and then the balance is due at some point in time uh, close to the, to the uh, you showing up uh, or maybe at the time you show up. And uh, then that's it. So the boat's there. And then, of course, you, you got to sort of think about your favorite topic, Mike. And that's what food, right? So we're going we're gonna to go out on this boat for five days. So we need to think about the food that we need to bring. Yeah, I and, forgot uh, about the food. This, yeah, is, yeah. This, is, this is naturally very important to me. And beverages. Don't forget beverages. So tell me how that works. Yeah, so this is interesting. So there are some charter companies, not all, but some charter companies will provision. So provisioning the boat is, is, is the term that's used, the nautical term used. Okay for sort of putting food on the boat. And uh, so some charter companies will provision for you. Um, and that means, you know, you fill out a form about what you like, what you're allergic to, what you don't like, and, you know, they'll stock up the boat for a fee. Uh, and uh, so when you show up, boom, everything's ready to go. Uh, the other one is uh, we typically, when we go, we do our own provisioning. So depending upon where we're going, um, most places, uh, most charter companies have a pretty good grocery store that's relatively close by. But if you're going to do your own provisioning, that's another thing you want to check out. Uh, is there a grocery store? How far away is the grocery store? Uh, and uh, so the interesting thing about provisioning a boat um, is this is where it takes a little bit of planning. And because, um, you know, if you're going out for seven days, let's say, uh, you don't want to run out of your favorite thing on day number three. So you sort of have to sit down and, you know, plan out all your meals. And interestingly enough, when we took our, our course about bare boat chartering, uh, one of the things we did was sort of provisioning and meal planning and sort of how to do it. And, you know, the, the amount of food to plan per person per day and the amount of water you need to bring with you, et cetera. Because remember, you're sort of, for the most part, out on a little island, that self-contained island, and and you you have the food that you have with you, um, and again, depending upon where you are, 
you, it might be very easy to go from one destination and two days later go someplace different and there's a grocery store right there so you can go get some stuff. But other places you go, there isn't. So you, you have to really be self-reliant for a number of days. So getting provisioning is, is, is sort of important. Interesting. So I guess all charter boats are going to have a small refrigerator, some sort of freezer, a stove, the basics, or do you have to ask about what the appliances and things like that are? Most boats that you're going to charter uh, will have those things on them. So anything above 35, 36 feet uh, is going to have a refrigerator and a freezer. Now, when you think about refrigerator and freezer, don't think like the one you have at home but try to think back to your college days and the size fridge and freezer you may have had in your dorm room. So they're, they're pretty small. Uh, they're not big. Uh, most stoves are propane stoves and they're two or three burners. So, you know, everything is sort of a little bit smaller than you might be used to at home. So here again, you got to think about meal planning and this notion of, I only have so much space in the fridge and freezer. So I got to, buy food that doesn't need to be refrigerated uh, if I'm going for an extended period of time. Uh, so again, it's, it's real important. Uh, so that's really good. And I think the other thing to sort of think about is, is this notion of uh, different boats. You know, is it, is it, do I need to learn about a, a, a different boat? And one thing that, that we should talk about is when you charter a boat, uh, you know, sailing a boat is sort of like driving a car. Uh, once you drive a car, you can sort of figure out how to drive a different brand or different model car. It's pretty easy. The pedals are in the same place. The steering wheel is in the same place. But other things are not in the same place, right? How to adjust the seat might be different. Uh, where the radio and uh, uh, knobs are might be different. The way that the turn signal and the windshield wipers work may be different. So a boat's sort of similar to that. The sailing aspects are pretty similar from boat to boat, but sort of where the equipment is, how the toilets work or the heads as they're called on a boat, you know, how the stove works, uh, how to, how to switch from battery power to shore power might be different. So typically most charter boats, when you get there and after you check in, they're going to take two or three hours and they're going to do a briefing with you where someone's going to come with you on the boat while it's at the dock and they're going to go through all of the systems on the boat. They'll show you where the emergency equipment is. They'll show you how the anchor works. They'll show you how the radio works. They'll, so they'll take you through all of these things uh, that you need to know, both from a safety aspect and, you know, the electrical system, the navigation equipment, etc. So these pre-departure briefings are really important because each boat is different. Again, in certain ways. Um, so that's another thing I did want to mention. Someone might yeah. be thinking about. And I seem to recall there's always like a manual, like a guidebook. Like here's a binder with the pages and here's kind of the key things. I remember we had that and had to look some stuff up. That's typical, isn't it? That's right. So uh, ju just like what maybe when you uh, uh, rent an Airbnb, there's oftentimes a three-ring folder yeah. uh, with pages in it that says emergency phone numbers. Uh, here's how this works. Here's how that works, et cetera. Uh, it's very similar on a boat. So here again, this is the difference between some charter companies. Some charter companies pay more attention to this than others do. And some will do a more thorough job than others will. 
Um, and this is where reading the reviews can be very helpful. But most of them have some type of book uh, that's really uh, taking the, the, the volumes of books that are on the boat, describing all of the equipment in detail and reducing it down to the things that you will most likely need to know. Uh, and, and, and they put it into one convenient place for you. And quite honestly, I do that on my boat for myself. I have a little boat, a little three ring binder that sort of has various key bits of information about my boat, that those are the things that I need to look up, you know, 80% of the time and the other 20% of the time I'll have to bring out the uh, uh, equipment manual and, and dive through that. Cool. So I have one last question, and this is a classic question from a guy like me, Bela. You know my history here. But what happens if you're on a charter and something breaks or, and I hope this never happens, but I'm sure it does, there's an accident of some sort? Yeah. Well, good question. And I have a little experience with this. Uh, we chartered a, a sailboat down in Tampa Bay, uh, down in Florida, and we're out in the Gulf of Mexico, sailed around there. And one day we're sort of heading back in towards the dock and uh, the wind was blowing really nice and we get into Tampa Bay and the wind sort of died down and we go to turn the motor on and we turn the key and nothing. <laughs> so here we are, we're bopping around in a sailboat with no wind and we couldn't start the motor. So uh, in that little three ring binder, it tells you what to do. So we uh, first called the charter company and they said, okay, uh, where are you? And we told them and they said, uh, okay, uh, call the tow company. So some larger charter companies will have their own sort of response team that will come out, right? Some of these charter companies are large. They're, they're chartering 20, 30 boats a week. And other charter companies are small. They're chartering two or three boats a week. So some of these larger charter companies will have, you know, a couple of folks who are in a little power boat that at least within, if you're within range, they can come over to you and try to diagnose and help fix a problem. This charter company did not. They were smaller. So there's there's various different tow services, just like there's AAA for the road uh, and tow trucks. They have a similar types of service uh, for boats. And so the charter company said, here's the phone number. Give the tow service a call. Uh, they'll be expecting your call. And uh, we called, called them up, told them our location, and uh, took them on an hour to get there. And they towed us back to the dock. Uh, so that sort of takes care of those types of equipment failures. Uh, if you're out sailing and you hit something and the boat starts to leak and take on water, this is where that charter briefing is really important. You got to know how to turn on the bilge pump. You got to know where the emergency gear is. You got to know all that kind of stuff, right? Because you're going to do whatever you can uh, to stop the water coming into the boat. Um, so that's sort of like the, you know, the, the, the worst thing that can happen is the boat's going to start sinking on you. Um, that, that's a bad thing. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to do that. Um, but if you hit, if other things break or you hit something, uh, you might hit a rock or a shallow spot. Uh, here again, a tow company can pull you off and, and you might have to call them. Uh, but if you damage the boat, most charter companies, uh, like car rental companies have insurance. Uh, that that sometimes is required and it's included in the charter price. Other times it's an option. Uh, some of them have significant deductibles. Some of them don't have deductibles. So this is something that you need to sort of figure out 
uh, before you charter the boat. Sort of what's my liability uh, if something should happen and break on the boat? Great. Bela, this makes me feel a lot better. It's nice to know there's systems in place and there's insurance and things like that. And those are good questions for me to ask um, when I go to make my first charter on my own. So I think it's time to wrap this episode up. I appreciate you putting this together. Just to summarize, um, the kind of your advice is that chartering can be a great idea, both for new sailors and experienced sailors who want to go see different parts of the world and don't have time to spend weeks and weeks on the water with their own boat, right? It's a nice way to... To, to get a range of experience. Um, some advanced planning is required to do this. You have lots of choices. Um, you could do, you know, big choices be, do you want a crude boat or a bare boat experience? Do you want provision versus non-provision? Uh, so you got to do a little homework and a little thinking, but I think you really laid these things out for me nice and clear, Bela, and I appreciate it. So listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you found our conversation about chartering a boat interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we discussed today or suggestions for future episodes, please, as always, feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, let us know, or better yet, tell a friend. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Thanks, Bela. That's great. And from over here in Münster, Germany, see you next time. Mm -hmm.